Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we catch up on a lot of our listener voicemails. But first, Tyler Johnson returned to Buccaneers practice on Thursday. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is that fifth round draft pick, wide receiver Tyler Johnson finally made his debut at Buccaneers practice today after sitting out with what was described as a soft tissue injury. Uh, The delay in Tyler Johnson being able to reach the field certainly sets him back quite a bit considering the abbreviated offseason, the lack of OTAs, the lack of rookie minicamp, and now he's missed what little time he could have on the field so far learning this new offense, getting used to the NFL game, and allowing new quarterback Tom Brady to create some chemistry with him and allow him to be more part of the offense moving forward. Yeah, and of course, it's it's great to get all your draft picks, you know, on the field, any of your players on the field, but especially a guy in Tyler Johnson that, you know, when he was selected in the fifth round of this past uh, NFL draft, everybody got excited. Pretty much everybody thought it was a good fit. It was a good pick for this team, and – so you just you just want to see those guys out there performing. And of course, it reminds everybody, I think, a little bit of Scotty Miller, who got to work a little bit earlier, you know, before he got hurt during training camp. But for the majority of training camp, wasn't able to work. So there's another player who had drummed up some excitement. Granted, not since you know his his excitement wasn't there since draft night. That was more kind of building, you know, through OTAs and rookie camps, and once people kind of realized what his game might bring to the field for the Buccaneers. But you know, the the similar the similarities are still there. Uh, but Tyler Johnson, especially, this is a player who, you know, as, as excited as everybody was, he's a fifth round draft pick for a reason. And yes, the reason in part is because of just how good this year's wide receiver group is. I've seen some people talk about, you know, if uh, if it was a different wide receiver draft class, he'd have been a third round pick. I don't know if he would have been a third round pick, maybe a fourth. You know, I could go like maybe even a low fourth, like for, you know, top 10 picks in the fourth round, maybe. Um, but there's a reason he was there. And, and the reason that that he was in the fifth round is because as productive as he was, he's also very frustrating uh, to, to evaluate as a wide receiver because there are, there are a lot of flaws in his game that you see on the field. That you see come out on tape, things like lack of separation, things like not getting into his routes, maybe as crisp as he, as he, as you would want him to be not getting off the line, maybe as fast as uh, you would want him to be. But again, that production is there and, and James kind of demonstrate that production. I ran some numbers. I know you're going to be surprised that I ran numbers, but here they are. <laughs> uh, Tyler Johnson in his four seasons uh, at Minnesota caught 213 passes for 3,305 yards and 33 touchdowns. And that's including guys, his freshman season, he only played seven games, only had 14 catches for 141 yards and one touchdown. So that's his, you know, his first season uh, as a college player. That's the stat line. So all of those stats, you look at the majority of those stats came from his final three years uh, there in Minnesota for the, for the Gophers, a player that a lot of people have compared him to maybe stylistically, not necessarily, you know, expecting the ceiling and all that stuff, but stylistically, a lot of people have have compared him to Chris Godwin. And I would say that he's probably a slower, less polished Chris Godwin, I guess, if you really want to go there with that. 
Uh, but something I found interesting is Chris Godwin spent three seasons at Penn State, right? Well, if you take his performance at Penn State, you average that out to four years, uh, and then you compare it to Tyler, compare that to Tyler Johnson. Again, Tyler Johnson finished his career with 213 receptions. Chris Godwin was on pace at 205. Very similar. Tyler Johnson, 3,305 yards. Chris Godwin on pace at 3,228. Tyler Johnson, 33 touchdowns. Chris Godwin on pace at 24. Very similar stat lines, very similar body types builds, you know what I mean? But again, some of those issues for Tyler Johnson that Chris Godwin didn't have, you, you see Chris Godwin, he can get separation on you know some of the best collegiate cornerbacks in the game, playing at Ohio State, stuff like that. But Tyler Johnson, you don't see that separation. What you see is that despite the separation, he's able to still win the rep, catch the ball, make plays for his team. James, you remember the movie Draft Day, right? Everything every football fan does. Oh, absolutely. And you remember Kevin Costner's character, the GM, is talking about find what their you – know, I can't remember how he put it, but find what their thing is and let's figure out if it's too big of a problem to work with. Well, Tyler Johnson's thing is that he can't get separated. He can't get open. Um, he can probably find some space in the zone coverage, you know what I mean? But if you put a man on him, at, at least in college, he's really not going to get open that much unless there's blown coverage. He's not just going to shake a guy and get loose. So the Buccaneers saw his, his thing, quote-unquote, and apparently felt like they could work with it well. The only way to find out if you can work with it in the NFL level, the only way to find out Tyler Johnson can be this contested catch king that he was in Minnesota is to get him on the field and get him in some contested catch situations against a defense that looks very good. Now, finally, they're going to start moving towards that. So now the Buccaneers finally have a chance to find out if Tyler Johnson can do in Tampa what he did in Minnesota and some of those comparisons to Chris Godwin to see if Tyler Johnson can produce along the lines that maybe a Chris Godwin did in the NFL uh, since so many people want to make that comparison. So, very good news, but for for a lot of different reasons, not just fan excitement, but for very much from a football evaluation standpoint, the Buccaneers need to get him on the field to find out if this issue that he had in Minnesota that he was able to produce through is going to be effective in the NFL at the NFL level. Yeah, and David, when we've talked about Tyler Johnson before, we talked about how we didn't expect him to come, you know, out of the gates swinging, and it was probably going to be a little bit of a slow process, maybe midway through the year to late in the season is when we would really start to see Tyler Johnson's impact on this offense. Now that he's in camp, of course, as you said, you know, there's a lot of good reasons, um, you know, to be optimistic about him being in camp. But yeah, again, I just, you know, cautious optimism for Tyler Johnson, you know, if you're a Buccaneers fan, because, you know, this isn't a guy that's going to come out and immediately be a, you know, seven, eight, nine target guy getting five catches, 50 to 75 yards and a touchdown week in and week out. That's that's just not who he's going to be in this offense. And it's going to take a little while. It's going to take some time on the practice field for them to get that chemistry, to get that timing. And, you know, really, Tyler Johnson now has an uphill battle with the way Scotty Miller has been performing in training camp. Scotty Miller could very well end up being that number three guy for the Buccaneers when it comes to their receiving core when we all kind of assumed it was going to be Tyler Johnson. And Justin Watson, because everybody's talking about Justin Watson is coming stronger and looking faster and leaner. Uh, If he's worked a little bit, so something that, I mean, I haven't done like a deep, deep dive into Justin Watson, but something that I just kind of noticed, you know, in passing, watching him in the practices I have witnessed and in the games that I've seen where he's come out to me is a little bit of lack of a suddenness in his break. So he's, he's not necessarily bad at getting, you know, out of his, out of his stem and into his break, but, but he, but a little bit more suddenness, a little bit more of a hard plant and getting into his cut. 
I would help him a lot. And if he's more lean and he's more solid in the core, then that's, that could definitely necessary, like could definitely possibly help him in shifting his, his, his center of gravity and getting out of that break you know, quicker. And, and again, if he can get that separation, Justin's another guy who's very long. He's got a nice wingspan. Uh, if he's, he's already got a little bit of speed. If he's got more speed now and he can get into his breaks faster, that just makes him even more of a threat. Tyler Johnson is not going to not be on this team. Like bottom line, if you put Tyler Johnson on the practice squad as the Buccaneers, he's getting poached. Um, I know there's new rules. I heard Scott Smith talking about those new rules uh, recently on Buccaneers.com, and, and those are all intriguing. But my understanding of them, and I, again, I haven't studied them deep, deep, deep. But my understanding is you're not going to be able to, to quote-unquote, protect Tyler Johnson every single week of the preseason. I think you only do it like once. I don't think you can do it more than a couple weeks consecutively or something like that. So eventually, if you try to stash him on the practice squad, he's going to come available. And one of these NFL teams that eyed him in the middle, late, fifth round, or early sixth round is going to snag him for their team. All right. Well, coming up next, we are going to try to get caught up on some of these voicemails that you guys have been sending us. But first, you know, we have to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Yes, Built Bars are back. It's an exciting time. Very exciting. Of course, they have some of their original flavors that everyone fell in love with. You guys know I was a big fan of the peanut butter brownie and the mint brownie. Yeah, David, unfortunately, there there is no banana bread uh, among these original flavors. But don't be discouraged because they have six new amazing flavors, including lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, cherry barcia, and David, the ones that I'm really excited about, carrot cake, caramel brownie, and cookies and cream. That's right. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and they are perfect for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are great for the keto diet. That cookies and cream bar that I just mentioned, David, I know you're excited to get your hands on one of those. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. All you need to do, head over to BuiltBar.com. Look, we called on you to do this a little while back when Built Bar first joined us. And we gave you the promo code for $10 off your first order. Well, guess what? Now, even though you've placed your first order, you can still get $10 off your next order by using the promo code locked on and while supplies last you get a free bar cooler with your purchase that's right you can take your bars out of the freezer out of the fridge pop them in your little bar cooler and away you go you don't have to worry about them melting in the car driving to work or melting on your desk because the person three cubicles down decides to keep jacking up the uh, the heat because they're always cold. We all work with that person. They're always cold. So the thermostat's at like 80 when it's 96 degrees outside. Look, head to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and you will receive $10 off your next order. And again, while supplies last, free cooler with the purchase. Just use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Closing out the week here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. We've been hearing a lot from the players and coaches of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. But now, James, it is time to catch up with our listeners 
and uh, listen in on some voicemails. So let's fire up that first one. Hey, James and David, it's Chris at TV underscore Bucks underscore for life. was just listening to your, who you're going to keep, Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, or Chris Godwin um, come next year. And, and really, I don't expect the salary cap to drop all the way down to 175. I'm thinking somewhere between 188 and 190 million is probably where it's going to be at. So that gives the Bucks a little bit more room because I think next year they have 157 million already committed to the cap. But at the same time, you know, if you draft an offensive tackle and you release Donovan Smith, that gives you 14 million dollars, and you can find other players. You know, you know, maybe restructure. I think Mike Evans making 17 or 18 million, or you know, franchise Chris Godwin, sign Shaq Bear long term, let Levante David Hayden, you know, we'll give you a two year, $20 million, but this year, we will, you know, we, we're going to ask you to take a base salary of $5 million, and then next year we'll guarantee you $15 million to kind of make up for that. So I think a lot of teams, not just the Bucks in general, but a lot of teams that are going to be up against the seller cap, they're just going to have to be creative in how they do it. Hopefully by then, the, the, coronavirus mess is all behind us and in 2021 you'll be able to have fans in the stands you know they'll make their money up pretty quickly that's just my thoughts like to know what you think about that talk to you later go bucks all right chris appreciate the voicemail and, and james i'm gonna let you answer this one first but before you do uh, I, I just i'm just gonna be honest here um not trying to make excuses Okay, but I, I recently left for I'm on, I'm on what's called terminal leave. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, from the army because I'm retiring. So my family and I we've just packed up, moved to a new state, got a new house, unpacked. I started a new job, yada yada yada. So we got some voicemails in that process, and I may or may not have forgotten about those voicemails. So Chris uh, hit up James on Twitter, reminded him very nicely of those voicemails. So, yes, they're late. I apologize to all of you. I apologize to those of you who called in with voice. Chris actually has two, and then Yusef we have coming up here in a second. So I apologize, guys. I really do appreciate your phone calls, of course. Uh, thanks for the reminder, Chris. And, and now, James, we will get to answering that uh, voicemail. Look, we, we don't know what's going to happen with the cap situation in 2021, and it's a decision, David, that the Buccaneers may very well have to face. Now, the the NFLPA wants a flat cap. They want it to just stay the same that it is this year, uh, and <clears throat> they can reevaluate after the 2021 season. And uh, you, know, you heard Chris bring up the the number of 175. Well, that's what the NFL proposed. They want they want to cut basically 24 million dollars off the salary cap which is going to strap quite a few teams, the Buccaneers being one of them. I mean, right now, their estimated top 51 cap space is at $1.7 million. Now, granted, they have some money that can come off the books next year. I'm not going to dive into a, a whole thing about that. But, you know, there, there are some teams out there that, number one, if they drop the cap that much, they're going to have to release players outright just because they can't afford to keep them. But number two, I don't see the NFLPA agreeing to basically, I don't know, 
It's a lot of money. That's you know a couple. We're talking a couple hundred million dollars out of the players' pockets. I can't math right now. I'm tired. It's the end of the week. My brain doesn't function at this moment in time, and the NFLPA just isn't going to do that. So I I think Chris is right in the in the sense that it's not going to be that hundred and seventy five million dollar number. It's probably going to be closer to what the salary cap was for twenty twenty. But the Buccaneers need to be prepared. They need to be you know, working out scenarios of, well, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, these are going to be our our modes of attack, especially when it comes to guys like Shaq Barrett and Chris Godwin and Levante David, you know, staying with this football team. Yeah, I mean, when we had that discussion and we, and we asked that question on Twitter and then we had, we had the discussion internally on the podcast, I mean, it's – it's it's a very control it's a controlled experiment it's just it's asking you the question you know what i mean it's forcing you into an uncomfortable decision that nobody wants to make and of course you have all kinds of different avenues you can to avoid that kind of a of a confrontation or conversation and jason light uh has has proven the buccaneers have proven to be an organization that's very good at it i mean we talked about we we talked in that episode about donovan smith you know potentially being cut loose or you know having his contract renegotiated depending on his level of performance in in this season compared to last season but then there's also Cameron Braid. I mean, Cam Braid, I haven't done the numbers. Cam Braid's probably the, the highest paid third tight end on an NFL roster right now. Uh, this year, getting a little over $4 million. All that money is guaranteed. So if they cut him or they trade him, uh, unless they trade the, the dead cap space, which isn't a typical move, um, they're, they're eating all that money anyway. So there's no reason to move him this season, obviously. But next season, he's owed over $6 million against the salary cap, and all of that is, is non-guaranteed money. So like Chris referenced, Jason Light's very good at doing those kinds of things. So it's very simple to, you know, Cam Brake could be gone, especially if Rob Gronkowski comes back for a second season with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, then we could see Cam Brake fall victim. There, there's a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, they can move Tom Brady money, you know, to a third season. He may not be playing for the Bucks, but they could still be paying him. I mean, the Saints are in that situation where when Drew Brees finally decides to retire, they owe him a ton of money uh, that's going to count against their salary cap, even though he's not going to be playing for the team. So, there are a ton of things that these GMs can do. I mean, James, we could do a week, if not two full weeks, of options that the Buccaneers could have uh, to make make it work where they can keep Shaq, Chris, and Levante. So, yes, I, you know, we we feel we fully admit and, and acknowledge that the Buccaneers can actually keep all three if they really want to make it happen. Uh, it's just again looking forward, looking forward a little bit, you know, way too early. Uh, you know, contrasting it to that mock draft, which is what sparked the conversation in the first place. It's just it was just a fun exercise, guys. That's that's really all it is. We're not sitting here saying necessarily that the Buccaneers are going to lose any of them, but I mean at the same time you can't deny the fact that the Buccaneers could very well lose one or two. I mean they're not going to lose all three, but lose one of them. But I think even in that episode, James, I predicted they're going to keep at least two of them, um, and I think you agreed with that. So again, yeah, I mean it's you're right, you know, Chris, in in the sense that yes, the Buccaneers can figure out ways to keep all three of them. the The intent of the exercise wasn't to say they're not going to be able to. It's just opening the door to that conversation because, I don't know, it was kind of fun to stress everybody out for an episode. <laughs> uh, David, to to answer your thought, uh, yes, Cameron Brate would be slated to make $6.5 million in 2021. Um, he could be released with no dead cap. O.J. Howard, on the flip side, is set to make $6 million. And then, of course, you also have William Golston. Um, you have $5.5 million. He could be released with no no punishment. Uh, Ryan Jensen, cap hit of $10 million, no dead cap. Donovan Smith, a cap hit of $14.25 million, no dead cap. So there's plenty of moves they can make, 
which you have to bear in mind is all these moves that they can make will create holes in other spots that will have to be addressed in some fashion. Right. Uh, but we are quickly running out of time and we've got two more voicemails to get to. So let's move on to Yusuf. Hey guys, this is Yusuf out here in Phoenix. If we end up not having a season or half a season or whatever the case may be, I guess my question is, does Tom Brady's contract roll over to the next year or are we just stuck with that one year just being unfortunately, um, you know, a hit and a miss? Just curious about that question. And my other comment was, you guys talked about yesterday, I guess, about who you would pick uh, between the three guys to re-sign at the end of the season, or or for next season, rather, um, whether it was Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, or Levante David. I guess my thought is, I think the two most important players for the future, for me, would be Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett. I love Levante, don't get me wrong. But I, I think he, he's starting to creep up there in age. And I know that Bruce Arians has, now granted, we did resign GPP, but I, I do, I, I've heard comments in the past where Bruce Arians isn't, um, and, unless he's playing at a high level, which this could be the case for Levante, he doesn't particularly resign players that get up there in age. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I have heard things in the past about Bruce Arians maybe moving on from some of his older players in the past. Those are the two players that I would resign. Keep doing what you do and appreciate all the hard work and hopefully you guys are healthy and safe and uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. All right, Yusef, appreciate that. I'm going to keep this very quick, James. Um, as far as the Tom Brady situation goes, listen, I think once the season starts, it's it's going to take a whole lot for the NFL to cancel mid midstream. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that's really even something that they're considering. I think, you know, when you look at the, the the Major League Baseball, they had, you know, basically two full teams kind of go down with the virus and they still kept pushing forward. I think every NF, any, every professional league is kind of in the mode where once we start, we're getting to the end of this thing, you know, come hell or high water. Um, so I think the NFL is kind of in that same boat. However, if I had to give an answer, I would lean towards if, if players opted out, their contracts rolled over to next season and the teams got that cap space back for this season. So I think that's probably the same protocol that they would go for in that type of situation. We would basically just call it done, reset for next year, and just move forward. Um, as far as the the player, yeah, the question was which one of the three, but I think everybody pretty much agreed that Chris Godwin was the one of the three. But then, yeah, I mean, the tough decision, if you got two of the three, is Chris Godwin and Shaq, because with Devin White's presence, I mean, would you rather have uh, an above average, you know, really solid inside linebacker and a really solid edge, or would you rather have two really solid inside linebackers and maybe a rookie edge. I think the answer is pretty simple. Most people go with a really solid inside linebacker and an elite edge defender instead of having the two off-ball linebackers. Wrapping things up here on a Friday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And David, we have one more voicemail to get to. Hey, David. Hey, James. It's Rico. Um, so watching the football news, and this seems to be the day for tight ends. Two huge contracts ended out to some terrific tight ends. So does this have any impact on our tight end? We've got Cameron Brait, who had relatively a disappointing season last year. O.J. Howard, a first-round pick, and there's a lot of talk about him being traded. Maybe this is some more incentive for him to get better, or does this possibly increase his trade value if he does all right? Interesting question. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Later, guys. Greco! Always good to hear from you, buddy. 
look, David, I don't know about you, but I feel like the the tight end contracts that we've seen passed out here in the last week or so, they have absolutely zero impact on the Buccaneers. And I'll uh, this this is why, and I'll try to keep it brief. David, I know we're we're up against the clock. Rob Gronkowski is here under a one-year deal. If he were to return next season, he's just going to sign a one-year deal. He's going to tie himself to Tom. So you're looking at a similar situation as to what his contract is for 2020. O.J. Howard is on his fifth-year option. So the only way it's going to impact him as far as how much money Kittle and Kelsey got is if he goes out there and he's one of the top three tight ends in the NFL. That's likely not going to happen if you bring back Rob Gronkowski. Finally, Cameron Brait, he's set to make $6.5 million. He could be let go and free up $6.5 million under the cap. He's not going to put up the kind of numbers that those guys just put up. In fact, $6.5 million is probably too much to pay him as it is. So he's not going to get a price increase. So ultimately, these, these major tight end contracts that have been handed down will have little to no bearing whatsoever on the Buccaneers moving forward. New contracts to, to top players in any position group, they have the same impact as they, they always do. They reset the market, you know what I mean? So now the market for being the best tight end in the National Football League is set to a new number, and the next best tight end in the National Football League will look to eclipse that number, and their agent will come in there and say, you know, well, this guy's getting this much money, and my client's better than him, so you should give him this much more money, you know what I mean? That's, just, that's, that's really all it boils down to. And O.J. Howard, uh, again, like you said, James, with Rob Gronkowski in, in the room, uh, OJ is not going to ascend to the best tight end in the National Football League before his contract is up. Cameron Brate certainly is not going to have that opportunity as the number three tight end on this roster. Um, I think it's more likely that one of those guys, and I know we've been saying this for like three years now, but it's more likely that one of those guys is not on this roster in 2021 than it is that one of them is going to have their contract directly impacted by you know, the, either of those guys' new contracts. So really until the Buccaneers get like a top shelf tight end in the National Football League and, and more for more than one year of performance, it's really not going to have an impact on their team. Uh, if O.J. Howard comes out, you know, and has a season like that, if his agent were to come to the Buccaneers asking for, you know, money above that number or even close to that number, there's no way the Buccaneers would pay him that amount of money for one year of production. Uh, just It's just not going to happen. So really in the in the short term, minimal – but, you know, I mean, it, it just moves the dollar signs up for every, you know, great tight end that comes behind them. So if the Bucks ever get one of those, then 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 that's when it'll have a, an indirect impact. Um, James, before we wrap up this episode, though, because I know we do need to, Chris did send in another voicemail. Like I said earlier, but Chris, we wanted to get uh, everybody's voice on the air as much as we could. Chris asked James real quick about our concerns on the defensive line depth and cornerback depth. He did ask about that before. Uh, the the signing of Kyle Love to uh, to help the defensive line depth, but even with Kyle Love on the roster, I still feel like defensive line and the the defensive back group, specifically cornerback, is the is the most shallow parts of the roster. So I'm I'm going to be concerned about. There's there's really nothing they can do short of going out and getting like a Logan Ryan, which they just don't have the money for anymore. Uh, so going into 2020, those are going to be the two position groups I'm most worried about with with depth. Uh, but that's just that's just going to have to be how it is, unfortunately, because there's really not much the Bucks can do at this point. Yeah, you're not going to be completely loaded and and deep in every position, so you just kind of have to roll the dice, take your chances, load up depth wherever you can. But it's not going to be perfect, and 
you know, every team's going to sustain injuries. It's about that next guy stepping up and, and making plays and doing whatever he can to help the team. So it's it's beyond worrying about at this point. What's done is done. Let's just get ready for the season. I hope these guys finish out healthy. David, before we get out of here real quick, as we were recording, Greg Allman of The Athletic tweeted out, quote, Tough news for Bucks running back TJ Logan, who injured the patella tendon in his knee in practice today. He'll have surgery on Saturday, not necessarily season ending, but that will put TJ Logan on the shelf for quite a while. Just some real quick news before we get out of here. So please send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. David promises to get to them faster than he did the ones that we addressed on this episode, but don't blame him. He was busy. You know, he had this whole, you know, life thing going on. So let's, let's all be nice to David. You know, we, we got to him. We always promise we'll get to him guys. We got to him just a little bit delayed. Um, Check out everything going on over at bucksnation.com. Follow along on Twitter at locked on bucks at Jarko underscore bucks at D Harrison 82 and at Bucks underscore nation. Uh, celebrate, Lightning fans. Got that monkey off their back. Eliminated Columbus four games to one. Boy, did that feel good. What doesn't feel good is you heathens continuing to force me to eat Taco Bell on game days. I'm glad I get a little bit of a break, but I'll keep it going because it's for the cup. Hope you all have an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other, and we thank you so much for joining us right here at Law.